We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 34. And Jesus said, Don't store up treasures here on earth, where moths eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light, but when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. If the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. In verse 24, no one can serve two masters. For you will hate one, love the other. You will be devoted to one, despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. One point, riches and wealth, possessions, is another way you can translate that old King James word, mammon. Okay? Verse 25, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, life, excuse me, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you far more valuable to Him than they? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work and, or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate, dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. And Has anyone ever looked at you as a part of a couple or in some other way and said, <laughs> trouble in paradise? Last week was Valentine's Day. Have you ever got trouble in paradise directed your way? In our relationships, we look for a sense of security, of stability, and these times are chaos. And it's not just in the couple relationship. It can also be in the parent relationship. Okay, I just have to ask, which one are you? The hand of the parent, or are you the kid going, I don't listen to what you say? Where's Chandler? You don't even have to answer, brother. I already know. I, I know. <laughs> I love you, young man. Okay. But that's not the only trouble in paradise you could have. Ever had that trouble in paradise? 
that's our case study for the week, isn't it, Lori? Uh, this week I got uh, a report from Lafette saying that Mama was taking Karen somewhere and all of a sudden the car started acting up. So they pulled it off on the side of the road and Mom was relating this to me and said, oh, everyone was so helpful and, and they helped us get off on the side and it, it could have been bad, but it wasn't. And then we had it towed down. They were going to charge a whole lot, but Lori knew somebody. It's always who you know, isn't it? Lori knew her dad who knew somebody who would do it for a lot less, so we called him. He took it down from Chick to look fit. Follow me. This will pay. This will pay off. Trust me. And we brought it to our mechanic, and he said, "Your thermostat for your radiator got stuck. You ever had that happen? And it blew a hole in your radiator. Ever had that happen? If you have, you know why I'm telling the rest of you. I do not advise it. It could have been bad." And my mother, who's not here today to defend herself, was saying, oh, it's so, God was just really looking after us, wasn't he? It could have been bad. I said, yes, he really was. So you know God is taking care of you. And tell me how many of you this isn't exactly. You know he was taking care of you, but then you get the call from the mechanic and say, well, we just thought it was this, but it's also going to be this. And the estimated $70 goes up to $350. <laughs> okay. Oh, my goodness. Well, and then he said, well, I'll, I'll let you do an installment plan. This is a really good guy. And then your son, like a doofus. You can say that in the pulpit, right? Okay. I know. Your son hears the mechanic say, you know, it got real hot. We'll just have to see if there's anything else wrong with it. And he stupidly relays that to you. <laughs> Mom was like, oh, no, I don't know how I'm going to make it without my car. And I, I had to <coughs> help her uh, get back on the God's going to take care of you thing, which she was so sure about earlier. But isn't that all of us? Don't we do that? And, you know, these are kind of funny things so far. Even the fender benders and say everybody's all right. But in the last month, I've had so many people coming to me with this little bit of chaos in their life. Which, if you can't read it, the slip is pink and it says layoff notice. In the last month and a half, from this congregation, I've heard more stories about now I'm having to look for a job. Everything is fine. But they restructured, or the new boss came in, or there was a misunderstanding, or they're just downsizing. So you go to the Scripture for help and reassurance. And Jesus is saying, don't worry. And you look up to heaven and say, thank you, Lord. But that is so much easier said than done. Much easier said than done. 
See, the thing is, we live hoping for the peacefulness of a well-ordered life. And then, unfortunately, occasionally, we get the stormy seas, don't we? I was talking to Lori Kirkland the day before Mike passed, and they knew it was just a matter of time. He Oxygen hadn't gotten to his brain. They were just bringing the family in. And she said something to me that really struck me because it got to the core of it in an interesting way. She said, you know, this is not what I expected. This is not what I expected whenever I, and she didn't say this, but you know, fill in the blanks. This is not what I expected when we were walking down the aisle. This is not what I expected when we got our first house. This is not what I expected when we had our child in the in the delivery room and he held in the front. This was not what I expected. This is not the way things are supposed to be. And Jesus says not to worry. How can you say not to worry, Lord? Now, I understand it when you're worried about the things that haven't happened yet, but what about the things that you're in the middle of? And wasn't that exactly the disciples with Jesus on the boat Jesus was asleep. How many times in your life has it felt like God was asleep at the switch? And what did the disciples ask him? Exactly what, if we're honest, we ask him. Lord, when will you wake up? Don't you care that we're about to drown? And I think that's why when we see this image, and I, I hope most of us know this story already. If not, I can, you know, ask me, I'll find the Bible verse and shoot it your way. But whenever we see this image, we almost automatically, I've not seen someone who doesn't immediately make the connection about the stormy seas of life. Everybody seems to get that. And I love the fact that when we were out on the Sea of Galilee, if you have a chance to do that, go. And you can be in the middle of this huge lake, which they call the sea, and you can see the mountains all around you, and then the guide will say, well, you know what happens. <laughs> the winds pour down over these mountains, and it hits the lake, and within 10 minutes' time, you can go from a completely calm lake to eight-foot waves. Just so quickly. There's a reason God put, and the <laughs> disciples, the gospel writers, put that image in there. Because that's just like life. And Jesus is listing these things that are a part of life. He seems to be saying, He seems to define worry in Matthew chapter 6 as that dreading or dwelling on the possibility of things falling apart. 
because we lack the sea to be calm. We lack dependability. We lack security. We lack stability. We lack predictability. We lack fulfilled expectations. Yes, this is what I expected to happen. When things fall apart, we feel justifiably threatened because then all of the things that you knew and took for granted, you're like, what do I do now? Not even just that, you're immediately stuck in that present moment because you can no longer project out to the future. What do I do now? Now from Jesus' examples, clothing, food, dwell, He is confronting that fear of things falling apart. And His prescription seems to be seeking out the kingdom of God first. Put your treasure in heaven, not on earth. Because where your treasure is, your heart will be there also. So, so let me ask you this. This is kind of the thought I had when I was little. Or let me put it like this. When I was about, yeah, I grew some. When I was just in those middle years of knowing how the world could be chaotic, but also wanting to have that very simple faith. And I was like, okay, Jesus, does this mean that we just pray harder and stop paying our insurance? What does this mean? So first, let's just understand treasures a bit. In the beginning of our scripture reading, don't store up treasures here on earth that are temporary. Store up treasures in heaven that are eternal. Your eye is the lamp that provides light for your body. If your eye is good, in other words, fixed on the right thing, your body is filled with light. If it is fixed on the wrong thing is bad, then there is a darkness. If that which you think is light is really dark, the darkness is inside you. Okay, think about this. If you take these two and put them together and try to figure out what these treasures are, it seems to be your treasures are those things of ultimate importance in your life which direct your core desires. Remember the heart is the core, the center of who you are. And keep your focus, your mind's eye, if you will, on them. Now the trouble is when you start focusing so much on these things Jesus is saying are temporary. When that takes all of your focus, those things tend to turn in to your treasures. And he's saying we're... I'll just read what I wrote. Worry tends to focus our minds on those things which keep life stable, like wealth, which turns them into treasures. By the way, health is another thing that keeps life stable, but if you really think about it, a lot of health depends upon wealth. Just ask the fast food industry. I know that McDonald's would like to sell food I, I just know. I mean, they're not on an effort to make people all look like me. They're, they would love to sell healthy. If they could, they would sell you a burger that would make you lose weight. Right? Because then you could, you, oh, I like that food so much, I'll just go back and get another. They can't. Why? To sell you stuff that's healthy, they have to charge more money and you'll go to Burger King instead. You know it's true. There's a lot of, I'll, oh, I need to eat healthy. Then I go to the grocery store. 
Healthy gets me this much. Just getting what I like gets me this much. You see the temptation there? Okay. And of course, just to remind ourselves, modern culture would have us define our worth by our wealth as well. So there's a lot of pressure. I mean, if we were living next to a typical representative of a third world nation, each of us would feel rich. But we're not living next to them. We're living next to our neighbors who just took that dream vacation that we've wanted to do, but we haven't been able to make it work yet. So we're like, we're sleeping behind. Jesus is saying, take your focus off those things. Seek ye first the kingdom of God in the King James translation and His righteousness, and then all of these other things shall be added unto you. But keep it in mind, seeking first the kingdom of God, that doesn't just mean praying harder, praying more often, reading more often. I mean, all of that might be included, but remember all of the things the kingdom is. If you read about the kingdom of God in the New Testament and the Gospels, you find Jesus talking about, yes, loving God but also loving others, and also being a part of Christian community. There's a lot of things he talks about that are included in that kingdom. Let's just take those three. First, loving God. If your heart is close to the heart of God, when bad things happen, your first reaction will probably still be, God, why are you letting this happen? But then that relationship you've developed with Him will kick in. And you'll say like the psalmist, but Lord, I remember what you've done, so I will trust you with what comes next. How about loving others? If you've been that kind of person who has been Christ to others, if you have been that person who has been kind and loving in your actions, you ever heard the phrase, what goes around comes around? That can be a positive too. Let's say you've had a person who has had a special place in your life because when they, when you were in trouble, they were there for you. And they have a spot of trouble. The first thing you're like, how can I help? Because you will rejoice in being able to help them like they helped you. But how about this? Join to a Christian community. Oh, why do you need to be a part and be active in a church? One of the reasons is this. Because when you're together with the body of Christ, you are never without a family. And one of the things that stuck in my mind and... I've held on to all of these years from that sociology class. They were talking about poverty, and you know they defined it two ways. I hadn't heard this before. I always thought poverty was about not having any money. They said, no, it's not just that. It's not about not having money by itself. That's half of it. But you're not really in poverty until you have no one to help you through that time without money. In other words, you are really poor whenever you have no funds and no one who cares about you. And usually those people who care about you are that family. What do you think we are? Why is churches, people say, oh, you come to this church and they'll just adopt you. You'll be a member of the family. That is part of how it works. 
Now, to a culture that might say, well, yeah, but why do we need to give priority to God? Why do we need to give priority to the kingdom of heaven? Well, the kingdom of heaven is what is there to combat the chaos of this world and when things start going crazy on the seas. But I'm going to give you a real-world illustration that I am ripping right out of the pages of Stephen Cody's. Covey's. Covey. Like a covey of quail? Is that it? Okay. What is it about me? I can't remember the name, but I can remember it's a covey of... Anyway. Okay. Y'all heard this example before? You take the big jar and you have three piles. You have the large rocks, the pebbles, and the sand. Heard this. For the purpose of this, think of the large rocks as your relationship with God, your love of others, the things that are a part of the kingdom. Remember whenever Jesus was saying, if you fall upon me, then you will be broken. But if I fall upon you, you'll be crushed. All of these images of rocks. Okay? He said, Peter, you're the rock, which meant like a, a smaller boulder. And upon this rock, uh, they will call you Stephens, and upon this rock I'll build my church. It was like, here's the cliff face. And Peter, you're like a stone on it, okay? Take the big rocks, the pebbles and the sand. Sand's the least important thing. Pebbles are the middle things. If you try putting the sand in first, the big rocks will never fit. And that is the temptation. That is what Jesus is saying is the disordered life. That is the life where the little things are swamping out the more important things and the ultimate things wind up not fitting in. But if you put the large rocks in first and then the pebbles and then the sand, it all fits. First things first because they Keep the rest of the things in order, in proportion. You know, if you are struggling with some bad news right now, here's some of these rocks that you're depending upon. One, never doubt that God loves you and will bring you peace in the midst of of this crisis. Never forget that the kindness that you have done will be shown to you and in return. And important for us here today, never forget people that your church has your back. You look around you, this is your family. We might not have all of the answers, but <laughs> you know that phrase that I hear all the time, I've never seen the righteous breaking bread. I kind of I used to think of that as, well, God was going to give a man, and now I think of it as, well, that's because they've been a part of a group of people who have cared for others. So now, guess what? The reason they're not begging for bread is they've been invited over to their friend's house or the rabbi's house. Or the scribe's house. They've been invited. They've been kept safe. 
the one hitch in that, I'm afraid, is our culture. Which makes us all just want to handle it on our own. No. Some of the best, most giving people I know have been the ones who have the hardest time saying, I, I, I need help now. And you know what I wind up telling them? <laughs> I've had this told to me. Isn't it a blessing whenever God gives you the chance to help somebody else? Haven't you lived your life receiving that blessing of being there for someone else? Well, yeah, they'll say. I'll say, why are you trying to rob me of that blessing? This is how it works. We are in a time of uncertainty, in a time of chaos. But even in the midst of this, God has a place where you find rest, where you find peace in the midst of the storm. And really that place can be in any location, but it's where his people gather and remind themselves that when you feel like you're drowning in life, don't worry, your lifeguard walks on the water. God is good. And all the time, amen.